Hello, everyone, and welcome to Human-Centered Security. Today, I have with me Tanya Hansen. I'm super excited to talk to her because she is a principal user researcher at Forcepoint, which is a security company. So we're talking to a real <laughs> live security user experience researcher. So welcome, Tanya. I'm so thrilled to be able to talk to you. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into security? Yeah, hi Heidi, and yeah, thank you for having me. It's very rare that anyone is interested <laughs> in this field in particular, so it's exciting to have this conversation with you today. Yeah, so as you mentioned, I uh, currently work as the principal user researcher at Forcepoint. It's a role I've been in for, for a few years, and, and I've been in security as well uh, for a few years, but um, I started uh, back in 14. And I, and I kind of got into it a little bit by accident, I guess. Um, I saw that uh, McAfee at the time was looking for a user researcher. And, and I found that the, the field was interesting. It wasn't necessarily anything I knew about beforehand, but uh, clearly something that I've been uh, uh, excited about ever since. Yeah, do you remember your very first project? I remember my interview. Which oh, was, okay. <laughs> what yeah. was your interview like? Yeah, well, my interview, it was like, I, I, when I came to the offices that were there in the outskirts of Helsinki, and one of my first things that I had to do was actually to interview uh, a user of the product that they were working with. So uh -huh. without knowing anything about the product, uh, I just quickly sketched down some questions and then kind of jumped into it. So that was my very first project was interviewing <laughs> someone without knowing, well, nothing at all about cybersecurity. Yeah, so it's like trial by fire. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but it turned out all right. As we can see. Good. Yeah. Good. Yeah, you're still in security, so it must yes, have worked yes, out okay. Still in security. They haven't kicked me out quite yet. <laughs> So we've talked a lot about how it can be difficult to convince stakeholders to invest in not only user experience, right? Like we already have that problem. We already know that we have that problem. But on top of that, the security user experience. Mm -hmm. And I have a few thoughts on why this is, but I'm really curious to hear what you think, both why this is the case and how do you combat that challenge? Oh, yeah, I hope I don't contradict anything you you uh, you want to say, but I think it's because there is still a little bit of this archaic understanding of the security experts. So the people I mainly work with are, you know, the administrator and analyst that sit with the security products um, within a in a company of any size, basically. And and I think that you know product management. Um, uh, for cybersecurity products have this idea that these people are basically, you know, they don't care about the user experience. They sit on the Linux computer terminals and want to have everything working from there or, you know, sit in dark basements with tinfoil covering the windows. <laughs> um, so it's, it's a little bit of a, there needs to be a little bit of a shift in, in understanding about who these people actually are, which is basically regular human beings like you and me. But of course, they are, they're a little bit more technical at times, but they still have the same expectation for the product that they work with on a daily basis. And just to clarify, tell us what Forcepoint does exactly. Oh yeah, maybe that helps. 
Yeah, so uh, Forcepoint um, provides a portfolio of security products, um, mainly targeted at the, well, various company of various sizes. <laughs> you can probably go on their website, but it's like a lot of times it's for distributed um, companies uh, in particular. And the main user of these products are then your IT departments uh, and people within the IT departments. So they sell enterprise security software. So you have the even a bigger challenge of, oh, maybe it's not a bigger challenge, but to me, it seems like an even bigger challenge of you're designing for technical people. So it's not necessarily expertise that you have, right? But yet you have to research and, and provide recommendations for this technical group of users. So. I feel like that does get a little bit more complicated, right? It it does get more complicated, and I will would be lying if I uh, if I said that I understand exactly everything that they're talking about at all times. <laughs> but luckily, uh, luckily, I'm focusing a lot on the then the user experience, the GUI, the interface, and not as much about you know the technical um, backend of things and right. And the specific of the feature requirements, I, I, I can understand some of the feature requirements, but, but my question is always understanding why is that a need um, and what would the use case be exactly for X, Y, Z, you know? Right. So going back to the original question of how we can convince stakeholders to invest in the user experience of security. So the, the one thing that you mentioned was the the idea that you know you're designing for technical people and technical people i don't know don't care about the user experience yeah. i guess but like as you said they they're users too technical people are humans too <laughs> and they deserve gosh darn it they deserve a good <laughs> a good user experience right they do they do and also moreover they they expect it because right and you know and the other thing i was yeah. thinking about is they're that they're human and they they obviously are susceptible to human error. And if yep. you can help them, you know, make decisions, they're using the product to analyze, make decisions, I'm guessing. Yes. And you need to facilitate that. And maybe yeah. there's things that they missed or, you know, they're tired or, you know, something else is going on. So this is all about the user experience, regardless of whether they're technical or not. 100%. And yeah, they, it's something they can miss, they're tired, but we could also uh, be making it way more difficult for them to do their job than right. we need to, because we didn't have the user experience in mind. Um, so, you know, it's like the, the job that they do is a lot about, yeah, trying to detect potential risks or uh, breaches in their company and, and then try to mitigate that risk or basically or put out fires uh, but the 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 ux and the ui can can either aid them in that or they, it can hinder them in that and i think some of the things that's, that's like really interesting with this is also like how do we make something that is highly highly functional yet still easy to use and navigate in yeah and i mean i guess the question is like do you get pushback and and when when do you tend to get that pushback from stakeholders? Internal or are you thinking? Yeah, I'm thinking internally, like, mm -hmm. 
like, oh, we, we just need to get this out the door or it's just too expensive or, you know, th- yeah. those ty- types of pushback. Yeah, or it's not important. It's or not this, important. Or right. this feature doesn't need to, to, right. to have any UI. We can just right. you know, right. hide it over here. Yeah. <laughs> so you can hear we do get some pushback. I'm not saying it's a constant struggle and, and some people understand it more than others, the importance of, of usability and, and to bring the, the user's um, experience into their feature development. But uh, coming back to your questions on how do you convince them? How do you convince stakeholders? So, of course, you can do either one or two ways. You could stand out in the, the halls just yelling, UX matters. <laughs> but I doubt you'll be super successful in that approach. <laughs> so I, I rather recommend taking some of the principles from, from change management and applying that. Um, and by that, I mean, you know, having the notching and having people included in having this realization themselves. Mm-hmm. So, you, so as we talk about, we need to shift this understanding that technical people only want technical products. Um, so they need to hear it a little bit from the horse's mouth. So what I have been doing is I've been dragging stakeholders along uh, to, to both interviews and to design sessions and so forth to, to, real, to, to open their minds to that UX actually matters. And that when customers are choosing a product, that is actually one of the things that they're considering. It's not mm-hmm. just, you know, checking off the feature lists. It is as well. Can I actually work with this on a daily basis, or will I get super annoyed? Yeah, yeah, that's that's excellent advice, and I love the idea of having, especially showcasing that this is a thing that really matters when they're choosing the product. So they're like, you know, they're not going to part with their money, their organization's money, if this isn't usable. If they um, and I think you were talking about there was a change. There has been a shift in terms of not responsibility, but no, the, the influence. Yes, the influence. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, talk a little bit about that. <laughs> yeah, we talked about that earlier. That it's been the understanding again <laughs> has been that okay, it's these VPs, it's high level, it's those people who make the buying decision and the final decision on what product to go with. But in reality, they just maybe realize there is a need for a product and therefore like put out, you know, sourcing for various bidders. But the people who actually decide or highly influence at least the product choice now is the end users. So that would be your administrator and your analysts, like the people who are sitting there working with the product. Yeah, they might not have control over the budget, but those are, of course, the ones that recommend to their managers, to the guy with them, the monies, <laughs> uh, which kind of product that, that they want to go with and which kind of product they could work with on a daily basis. Yeah, that's so super they, interesting. Uh, and I, it is. I also think that that is a shift that I am seeing as well. Mm. Yes. Yeah, so I think, you know, that is definitely something that should light a fire. Uh, for for folks who say you know well it doesn't matter they're the end users aren't making the decision to buy the product anyway so we don't have to worry about it well actually you do have to worry about it now because they aren't influencing at least in some way the the purchase of of the product so yeah super super interesting 
It's both interesting, you know, for the, the product development side, but it's also interesting for the marketing side. It's like, who is it that yeah. you're actually reaching out to, you know? Right. Yeah. I mean, if you think about the marketing website, like who are they speaking to and the mm. challenges with that, you know, you're, are you speaking to the person who holds the purse strings? Or are you speaking to the end user or both? You know, are they the same person? Yeah, I've definitely worked on projects trying to figure that <laughs> stuff out. Yeah. And it's, yeah, and then the, as you know, like the expectations of the end user is changing. So even though, okay, so we need to focus on the end users grant. But we still, they still have an expectation that of this consumerization is starting to carry over. I, th I think we've also discussed this, but th that uh, cybersecurity is, is, might be one of the last industry that are realizing that end users are expecting, you know, consumer experience in their enterprise products as well. Yeah, because it, it's, it's really tricky to, at times to be like, okay, the, for the technology, for this feature to work, you basically just need a, a checkbox, uh, uh, this field, uh, and you're good. But then comes the whole UI and user guidance aspect to it. It's like, okay, yeah, and, yeah, to have it function, you need to edit something, you need to add something into here, into this label. Uh, and to enable it, you need to check this checkbox. But the user have no idea what they're actually doing. So. So that's where maybe also the UX part come in. Like we need to be able to explain this process, explain what happens next. And, and this whole feedback loop is so essential in security mm -hmm. products because, because, you know, if you do something wrong, the consequences can be quite dire or expensive right. or, or PR embarrassment, you know? So, but at the same time, the more guidance and the more, you know, tutorials or whatever you put into to a product, uh, like a enterprise cybersecurity product, like you don't also want to be talking down to your users as well, because they are so, so specialized and they are so highly educated. But so that's the balance, I think, that we're really struggling with at times. It's like, how much do we guide? How much do we handhold on how this product works versus how much customization and do it yourself. Can you do in these cyber products? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I wonder if there is some parallels with the consumer, just like the non-technical user experience as well, where, you know, at some points you want to say the product wants to communicate like, Hey, uh, technical user, do you really want to do that? Because that sounds like a really terrible idea. You know, do you, is that, are those some instances that you have in the product as well? Yeah. So do you mean like if, if you enable this, the consequences will be X, Y, Z. Yeah, exactly. And yeah. So that is some of the things that we're struggling with. Of course, it's like how many, how many checks and balances do we have to do before you enable or disable something? Like how many times do right. you say, yes, I'm sure, or 100% <laughs> or like, because there's also something in these products that's, there's also often a need for some sort, sort of speed through it, through the different journeys. Like you want to handle something quite fast and quite efficient. Mm -hmm. Also because there's a lot of repetitive things that you have to do. So you might, especially with, 
for example, alerts or something like that. You could get 10,000 alerts per day. And if you have to go in there and say like, this is not important. Are you sure? Pop up. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm sure. If you have to do that for every alert, you would go insane. So it, it is this balance again. It's like, how, when do we interfere and when do we not? Yeah, I, this is so fascinating. Can you can you give us an example of this and kind of you know play this out as a story just so that listeners can kind of see like I I can totally visualize exactly what you're talking about but I just want to make sure that our listeners can kind of see this all play out um, so if you have an example that'd be fantastic <laughs> okay well I I can continue on this and learning thing so yeah for example we have if we have a product which we do um, where <laughs> where you can configure. So you set up as an administrator or as a user of these cybersecurity products, you say like, okay, every time this event happened, send me an alert. Mm -hmm. So every time, if it was a really strict company, so every time someone goes to Facebook, I want to know because they're wasting time or whatever. It doesn't really happen, but (laughs) you know, an example that is like tangible. And so if if then 10,000 people (laughs) call on Facebook, every day, then you end up with 10,000 alerts every day that you have to go through and sort through and see if it's actually relevant. The other, and one other thing I could, I could think of is, is the way yeah. that we visualize data. Oh, yeah, 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 because Talk that's, about that, please. Yeah. So one of the most important things is, of course, for the, for the user to understand what's actually going on. So for example, right. if you're a network administrator, you need to understand what's going on in your network. And, and then there's also like data visualization is one of the most essential things that, uh, that we have to do in a lot of times, but also you don't want to over-design it or make it too fancy. It has to be usable as well. I think maybe data visualization. Yeah. Well, I, I'm thinking like data visualization or like dashboards, but ultimately what I think you're talking about is okay, we have all of this data. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But what am I supposed to do with the data? Like what? It's yeah. awesome to have it all, but like, what, do I, like, how, how do I make sense of it? And how do I make a decision based off that data? Mm. So I think that's kind of what you're getting at. And that seems so, so difficult. It's difficult. Okay. So there's like a few different ways that we can display data. Either we can display it like raw and just have a translog about what has going on, has been going on. Right. Um, or we can try to translate it into something that we think are actionable data. Right. And I think the challenge there is really what is actionable? Like what is actionable to the, ex- to the users itself? Because we can come up with all these ideas like, okay, well, these things happened. This was super interesting. But for the end users, it could be like, well, this is just a Tuesday. This always happens on Tuesdays. You know? <laughs> right. So, so that's maybe also yet another challenge where security uh, user experience, not necessarily struggle, but they have really have to figure out what is the end user's actual need? Like, what are they looking for? And I think we have a little bit of a tendency to over, uh, overproduce <laughs> dashboards just for the sake of dashboards because they're pretty, you know? Right. But, uh, and I don't think that's just enterprise security. I think it's like, it's here, here's a, here's a shit ton of dashboards, do with them what you want. But 
But I think for, for cybersecurity, it's, it's quite important to narrow down what it is that you're actually showing and seeing. Uh, and if you, and if you as a company can't necessarily do that successfully, then leave the opportunity to the end users to configure this themselves and tell us what is actually, actually uh, the most actionable data. That's a way around it. So I imagine that it is really difficult to try to source participants. Again, a common user research problem is just getting people to participate in interviews or usability yeah. studies. But in your specialization, it's even more difficult. So talk to us a little bit about that and how you're able to get to the people that you are trying to design for. Yeah, so there's, like, there's two things there that's really difficult. One thing is getting to your customers, uh, and the other thing is getting to your non-customers. Right. So for our customers, I've been working closely with internal stakeholders, account managers, and sales. A lot of them see the value in doing user research and see the value in having the customers be heard and, and see how much they appreciate actually being able to influence the product that they're working with on a daily basis. And, and having seen, you know, some of them have had the great experience of seeing some feedback that they made then be reflected in the product as well. So in that sense, working internally and collaborating there has been a great way of sourcing. Um, but yeah, the big challenge is then how do you get to people who are not your customers? And as well, how do you get people before they have too much experience with the product itself? Yeah. And that's a little bit, well, yeah, two goals that can, <laughs> can be solved by talking with non-customers, of course. Uh, but yeah, some of the, I'm sure some research agencies still disagree with this, but it's, it's quite tricky to find people through the agencies who have the exact requirements that you're looking for. And there's not that many signing up to do user research uh, who are cybersecurity experts necessarily. Right. Yeah. I can't imagine going through like user testing.com and being able to source those participants. I don't think that they would be on those panels. And same thing with if you were using a, um, a research agency that, per, you know, that their job is to source participants, I would imagine that it's also difficult for them. So, so what have you done in the past to try to get these users? Yeah. So some of the things I've done is, um, uh, for the non-customers and non-users, and for this first-time experience, I've, I've tried to reach out to um, some universities and tackle the, uh, they, or got into their um, their student body there and the people who are actually studying to be uh, cybersecurity professionals and have them then come and play with the product and give us some feedback as well. So that's one of the ways you can do it. Another way is, of course, if you, and I think this is only relevant if you have, if you're working in, in a company that has like a portfolio of products, um, for example, for us, there could be a data and a network product, and maybe one customer is only using the other, but is, has a different vendor to solve their data needs, for example, then you could talk to that customer who's already purchased one of your network products about yeah, well, what do you have of needs for data products as well? Ah, uh, yeah. If that makes sense. 
Yes. Yeah. So they're using one product that you have, but you, because they are representative users, you could also ask them about other products that they don't necessarily use of yours, but yeah, but they have, they they could potentially. Exactly. Yeah. So then, yeah. Okay. You can understand some of their needs and their reasoning why they've gone with that or what could make them change. Yeah. Do you find it difficult to decide whether this needs to be like a net new, brand new person has never heard of, maybe they've heard of it, but like they've never used their product before versus someone who has used the product or is relatively new to it versus someone who's super experienced and maybe like a power user? Like, is that ever difficult? It it is. (laughs) Of course it is. Like doing... Doing this research in this, yeah, in cybersecurity, it's a lot of prioritization. You really have to prioritize what you do with who. So, and I didn't know how to do it straight away. It's something that you kind of learn as you go along and as you fail a few times about like, maybe this kind of customer wasn't, doesn't know anything about this particular topic, you know? That they weren't really qualified participants, is that what you Yeah, mean? yeah, for yeah. example, yeah. I think one of the other things is also prioritizing really what is it that requires user research? Like, when is it that we reach out to a customer? Because it's that pool is not infinite. You know, the pool of customers that we have, we can't just keep on dragging them in for various research projects of, uh, and taking off their valuable time. It, it is time and money that they're spending on this uh, without actually getting anything else back than seeing that their input might affect the, the product that they're working with. So I can't go out and ask them about everything. So any other recommendations in terms of sourcing participants? So some of the things that I have done is I, I, I try to get our customers um, well into a more of a digital community. So mm-hmm. we already have these digital communities as Ford point that are pr- product based, but uh, another thing that I'm trying to do there is to do the, the research as well. So I know some of the larger companies out there also have this, you know, customer community clubs where, where, where they're basically sourcing from. That is one way of doing it. Of course, unfortunately, I don't have that much resources or researchers to, to manage that. But that is one way of doing it for sure, is to establish these kind of programs. So you're reaching out to the people that are part of, of those communities. Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you, can, you can have customers basically sign up to be a part of this uh, user research community and say like, hey, oh, yeah, I am, cool. I am interested in providing feedback. Yeah. A lot of companies have this actually, but it's, it's a little bit hidden at times. So I have done quite some recruitment <laughs> as well with the customers to, to make sure that they're willing to participate. And in that way, you kind of build this, you know, this pool of customers who are, who are interested in providing product feedback. Yeah. Yeah. That's really smart. Well, Tanya, this, this has been so informative and it's, I love talking shop with you. So I really appreciate you taking the time and sharing your experiences and insights. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, Yeah.
It's a little bit more well, technical world than just putting on your two-factor authentication. <laughs> but it, yes. is, it, it is interesting. It is interesting how we enable people to make, in this case, you know, working life more secure for us. Yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, thank you again, Tanya. Again, really appreciate it. And yeah, uh, looking forward to talking to you again soon.